When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the live episode of What's Brewing. I'm your host, Chris Nozick, joined by my co-host, Dominic Tiano. How are you? Uh, doing good, Chris. Busy. It's a new month, so that means uh, today I was busy putting out my OHL Players of the Month for January uh updating the stats and this month we start popping up uh with uh player profiles for the 2024 nhl draft so busy times ahead awesome well i want to shout out to everybody who is joining us on the live we want your comments questions everything whether it's bruins related honestly we'll answer any questions that come in but preferably the uh the bruins ones for this particular episode um, but also shout out to THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network, for hosting our shows every week here on What's Brewing. And uh, again, if you need links or anything like that, pop it in the comments. We can provide those. But um, the biggest news isn't even it's sort of Bruins related coming into today. Uh, everybody thought or had some sort of connection, desire. Elias Lindholm, he's now off the trade board. What are your thoughts of the deal? We'll start there and we'll work our way down the uh, the Bruins roster and, and the remaining open options. Well, uh, first of all, I got to say I'm a huge fan of Elias Lindholm. I was in a sin league when uh, um, he was drafted. I tried to take him. Somebody took him before me and uh, a year later I paid a haul to get him in a, in a trade. So uh, that's how much of a fan I am, but I'm glad the Bruins stayed away. Um, Calgary did well in the trade as did Vancouver. Um, but my honest opinion was he wasn't a need for the Bruins. Just wasn't a need. Yeah, I know that's that's something that we've talked about on previous shows. Coyle has been stepping up. Pavel Zaka has been stepping up. Matthew Poitra has done his job to fill a role down the middle. And then Geeky and Frederick have been playing really well. Johnny Beecher filled in on the fourth line. 
this team has options at center. They weren't hurting for for needing another one. And and once I saw the price that Vancouver gave up, I mean, I know everybody's going to want to try and do their comps and and whatnot. But I mean, just four pieces in general, including a first round. I mean, I mean, when you just broaden it out, I look at it and I go, a first round pick, a roster player, a high level prospect, and a medium level prospect. That for a rental, like I'm still wondering if there's going to be an extension because without an extension that's a lot yeah and people say yeah it's but it's a late round pick this is a very good draft to yeah, have a first round a pick first it's still a first rounder i don't i don't care where it is in the first round you're you're picking yeah. in, in your view one of the top 32 players available to help your organization that's that's a high draft pick i don't care what anybody says and then when you factor in the fact that it was three other pieces on top of that plus the conditional pick yeah uh calgary did well and and um give them credit you know um i wouldn't have wanted to pay the price if i was the bruins no uh, that's the thing he I'm wasn't so a need. yeah he's not a need for the present and he's not a need for the future and uh to give up that many assets, you're just digging a hole for yourself. Now, I'm I know a lot of people have been trying to find their comparisons, and, and I, I'll credit Ty Anderson, 98.5 thesportshub.com. He put out a great article earlier, kind of comparing what it would mean for the Bruins. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it or not, but I mean, in general, it seems like the general consensus is it would have cost at least one of, if not both, because you don't have your first round pick. It would have cost at least one of, if not both, Lorai and Patra. You know, Chris, you and I have been talking about it for a month or more. And I said to you, Calgary's asking price from Boston starts with Patra. And now, yeah, go ahead. I I don't like doing comps, player comps, or any type of comps uh, when it comes to hockey because uh, different players are valued for different things. Now, uh, I think Ty is pretty close in what um, it would have taken from the Bruins. I, I really do, but I'm not going to compare him to what uh what vancouver gave up yeah i think the direct player for player comparable is is obviously going to be tough because you know the the players that he used as an example trent frederick or jake debrusque as a comparable for andre kuzmenko they're all very different players even jake debrusque and trent frederick Mm -hmm. are very different so it's it's tough to line it up as an apples to apples comparison that's why I try to look at it a little bit broader. Like I said, a roster player, a first round pick, a conditional pick, and two prospects and two good prospects. One very high level and one maybe not as high, but still a, a quality prospect that, that you probably don't want to be giving up. Five pieces for a rental to me for this Bruins team. I'm so happy they stayed away from it. Yeah, but I I think there's some sort of deal uh, extension in the works or that, you know, they had permission to talk to him 
and uh, I, I think I just a gut feeling we'll probably hear about an extension. I was going to say, you don't pull the trigger on that deal unless you're confident that there's an extension that you can work out. So I yeah. think there's one coming. I think Vancouver might also be looking at it as we're not far off from it. Let's iron out the details once we get him in, get him settled, you know, come back from the all-star break, kind of, you know, let's hammer it out over the next, you know, two months after the trade deadline, all this other stuff. Both sides have mutual interest. But, Fine. Chris, here, here's my thinking. If, if I'm Vancouver, I'm thinking, you know what? Um, our main competition isn't Boston. I mean, they couldn't possibly face Boston in the first three rounds. I mean, they got to get through Vegas. They got to get through Colorado. They got to get through Edmonton. Uh, they got to get through Winnipeg. Uh, you know, Dallas. they could be they could be facing three of those teams. They're uh, I don't think Lindholm puts them over the top. I really don't. Well, he improves them. Oh yeah, they're certainly a way better team today than they were yesterday. But I don't. I, I don't think there's a, anything close to a guarantee for Vancouver there. We haven't even seen what, you know, Vegas is going to do something. They always do something. Yep. Uh, you know, and they still are the defending champs. I wonder, because even after this deal, there's a projected 1.8 million or so left for Vancouver to work with on, on the cap, uh, AAV wise. So I wonder if part of the reason why we don't have an extension announced yet is because they want to make another move to kind of complement this one and, you know, add to it. Because to your point, they got to go through some of the three of those teams. L.A. isn't even mentioned. And the stars are also on that list as well. So they're they're going to have a murderer's row as good as they've been all year. They're going to have a murderer's row getting through the playoffs no matter what path it is. So yeah, I'm not and how to... beat up how beat up are they going to be if and when they get to the Stanley Cup Finals? Yeah, and and I think that's one of the advantages that that the Bruins have is you know like I know everybody wants them to go out and make a deal and and deal away a, a Grizzly or a Forbort or you know some people are are chirping on the DeBrusque chain and we'll we'll come around to those names in a minute. But my biggest thing and and this is what you and I have talked about is right now. Even if you consider Watherspoon one of your best six defensemen and he's in your lineup, I think going in, if the playoffs were today, your pairings are probably Lori McAvoy, Lindholm Carlo, and you can pick one of those three guys, but it would probably be, assuming health, Forbort and Shattenkirk. If not Forbort, then Watherspoon. Do you think Mason Lori is going to be in their top pair in the playoffs? I don't I don't know. That's the thing. I don't think so. Would you put Grizzly up there instead? You don't have a choice at this point. So you would you would switch and put Grizz up top and then would you do Lori on the third pair with Shattenkirk? Lori isn't in the mix, Chris. You wouldn't He's play not in the mix. He he is not a starting six in there. It doesn't matter what I would do. It's what the Bruins are going to do. Fair. They're they're not throwing a rookie in in the playoffs. They're not. 
I'd so, be absolutely dumbfounded if they did. So what do you see the pairings then? I'm, I'm not what we, it's, I, I just, I'm curious how you would see it playing out. It's what they have. They have their seven NHL defensemen. Lorai is not part of the mix. He will not be in the playoffs. He will cost them games because he's just not ready. So and I know people have- disagree with me, uh, but that's the reality of it. So do you have Watherspoon in that top six? I have him in the top seven. Top seven. Okay. So, okay. With with that, okay. So, I mean, I guess pairing's really irrelevant at that point because if you start losing defensemen, you just pair them together however you can. Um, exactly. Hope it starts to work. So, I mean, if that's your top seven, then is Lorai your number eight? Um, it would depend on whether I want to continue to use Watherspoon on the right side or not. Okay. Where do you, another name that people also seem to forget about, Jacobs Borrell. Where do you see him no. at yeah, all? He'd be lucky to get a regular season game in between now and the end of the season. He's right. not in the playoff picture. I'm 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 trying to look at it as far as what's the depth look like. So if you've got the seven defensemen that end with Watherspoon, what's your depth beyond that look like? We've seen this team have to go nine, ten deep on defense in the playoffs before. What does that look like? You know, who's eight, who's nine? Like, how are you going down the rest of the line? You're probably going Ian Mitchell. Um you would probably see they're they're not going to pull Lori out of the AHL playoffs. Okay. To sit upstairs, they're, they're they're just not going to. You would probably see Renouf before you saw Lori. Okay. I mean, he is definitely the more veteran of the of the group. This is where I look at it and I go, okay, whether Lori's in that that next grouping or not. I still think they need to go out and get a defenseman more so than a forward, someone who is of a veteran status, couple years, playoff tested, something like that. They don't have to be a $6 million guy. They don't have to be Noah Hannafin, someone who honestly might even be down in the AHL right now, but has that experience. Someone like, you know, um, likes Borrell, but actually has better NHL experience, if that makes sense. Here's the thing, and you know this. I wrote about it yesterday. The Bruins are shopping for a defenseman. Uh, People are going to start asking for names, and I do not give names out. Not when negotiations are this early. I had the players, player agent, tell me, that he's been notified by the team that the Bruins have expressed interest. Well, that's good. Okay. Um, The problem is the Bruins have $800,000 in cap space. That's it. That's what they have today. That's what they have on trade deadline. There's no banking because they're in LTIR. So, they're either going to have to make a deal to move out cap. They're going to have to get this team to 
um, retain or they're going to have to get this team to take money back. And I don't think knowing their situation that uh, they're in a position to do that. So it becomes a cap gymnastics for, for Don Sweetie and Evan Gold. But that's what they're looking for. And I'll tell you why. There is genuine concern that Derek Forbert will be in and out of the lineup with this lingering injury that he has. He had it early in the season, uh, came back for a bit. They shut him down. He missed six weeks, uh, came back. They won't say it or they're not saying that he re-aggravated his injury. Um, You know, they were hoping that that was enough. I do believe he re-aggravated what I believe is a groin injury. Okay. So. You have a vote for a groin injury. (laughs) um, You. You're in a situation with Forbert that you don't know whether he's going to be able to finish the season, let alone be healthy for the playoffs. And that's why they're looking for a defenseman. The the other thing, and I went on to explain in the article, is uh, the Boston Bruins keep their own set of analytics. Uh, it's not what you and I can go on the internet and and see. And that they they are fully aware that Derek Forbert um, relieves Hampus Lindholm of some of the hard, hard minutes he has to play. If you look at Lindholm, 79% of his his five-on-five face-offs are defensive zone. Uh, Where where Charlie McAvoy, on the other hand, is at 41%. Why? Because he has Brandon Carlo on the right side that can absorb some of those hard minutes uh, that that McAvoy doesn't have to. And do you think it's a coincidence that that Lindholm's play has improved since Forbert has been back and since uh, Parker Watherspoon has been able to take some of those hard minutes that Forbert was uh, taking away from Lindholm? Yeah, no, I know a lot of people have been commenting about the play of Hampus Lindholm this season, and it, and it's not what it was last year. But, yeah, I mean, I think if we go back, I don't have the numbers on me at the moment, but I think if we do go back and look, last year Hampus wasn't on the power on the penalty kill that much because you had Derek Forbord doing it, at least comparatively. Right. And right now Hampus is doing – some of the hardest defensive minutes that this team has to offer. And then people want to know, well, why is the scoring down? Well, because he's not on the ice anymore to score or help in the offense. He's there to solidify the defense. Let McAvoy worry about the offense. And he's still contributing too. his numbers aren't like what they were, but they're still pretty damn good, especially as of late. Like you mentioned, they're starting to turn around a bit. Since when? Since Parker Waterspoon has been up and been able to take some of those hard minutes. And since Forbert has been back, like uh, Lindholm had PK time last year, but he wasn't going up against the the other team's number one unit. That was Forbert and Carlo. 
Right. He would same be thing on the with, back. Right. It's the same thing with McAvoy. He would get time. He wouldn't get the hard minutes. Carlo was getting them. And this, this is part of the reason why the Bruins are shopping for defensemen. Right, which I, I wholeheartedly believe they, they should. Now, uh, obviously, the cap space is a huge deterrent because they, mm-hmm. they don't have it. Um, but there are certain... Now, I will say this. Um, I know a lot of people have also been talking about wanting a forward, you know, a fourth-line guy, kind of a Milan Lucic replacement. Now, how much emphasis do you put on that, of needing someone like that? Physical... You know, not so much a, a scoring person, but a veteran physical guy who can go in and kind of stir things up. Oh, I've been saying it for a while. They need they need a, a fourth line guy that can do that. And they need one on defense, one that can box out, um, you know, uh, play hard in the corners and uh, absorb the hits in the playoffs. But to me, they need a defenseman first. And I will stress again, they have $800,000 in space. And right. if they can only get one, to me, it's a defenseman. See, Particularly yeah. with the with the questions surrounding Derek Former. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that, especially if the questions around Forbert are, you know, is he done for the year? Is he done? Are you going to try and just hopefully bring him back for the playoffs? Like, you need to address that. It, you know, right now your depth is – Grizzly, Forbort, Watherspoon. They are your depth defensemen. If one of those goes down, you're screwed defensively. Because whether you go to Mason Lorai, whether you go to Ian Mitchell, whether you go to Walsh, Renouf, Regula, you know, Zborl, whoever you want to turn to, like you said, you put it the best way possible. They are going to cost you games because they're not there yet. Period. That, yeah. that, that's all I can say about it. You need to put... now. Could someone like Mason Lorai come in and help and provide value? Yes. That's not to say he's going to be useless in the playoffs. However, you don't want him to be the seventh, eighth guy up. You want him to be, you know, that ninth, tenth guy up like Charlie McAvoy was in his rookie season. Now, McAvoy was a little bit more ready. He played defense longer. It was He was a little bit more polished. But... Again, you don't want to have to reach that far into the bag if you don't have to. Let, let me say this about Mason Lorai. Mason Lorai has never experienced playoff hockey. Not at the NHL level, not at the AHL level. He played NCAA hockey, which is a tournament. It's an elimination tournament. It's not playoff hockey. He's about as green as green can be when it comes to playoff hockey. Matthew Patra has more playoff hockey experience than Mason Lorai, and he's, what, four years younger? Because that's one thing the Ontario Hockey League prepares you for is four rounds of of best-of-seven hockey like the NHL does. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely going to benefit. Now, you mentioned Patra. Now, if they go out and they get some of these, hey, look who jumped in here, Mr. Kevin O'Keefe. 
Oh, Kevin, Kevin how, how are you, buddy? How are you? We miss you around here, but uh, yes. definitely want to hear some of your thoughts. So, you know, anybody watching, if you want to jump on the screen the same way, just, you know, jump in with a comment. And, uh, yeah, look forward to getting more thoughts. Um, back to my question for you. Would you give any consideration to sending Matthew Poitra back down to Guelph through the end of the season if you're able to acquire a forward that fits what we're looking for and you need that roster spot? No. No. Because the experience he's gaining is more valuable especially if he's around even not playing in the playoffs the experience of seeing what it's like is more valuable than what he can get at the Ontario Hockey League level right now okay now one we, we've talked and about a couple oh, they ahead. don't need roster spot there is no roster limit after trade deadline okay yeah fair um I mean, more so if they, they may need to clear the money, but that it is what it is there. Um, one one thing that I know that, at least in my experience, looking at Don Sweeney and some of the deals that he's made, especially when he only has one bullet in the chamber, if he has multiple needs, he will try to address them all in one deal. Fair to say? Um, yeah, he tried to do that. Uh well, he did that last year with uh, Orlov and Hathaway. Uh, he tried to do it when he acquired uh, Hampus Lindholm. He tried to get Raquel as well. Uh, but the only reason he didn't go after, he didn't trade for Raquel was because there was no guarantee he would sign an extension like there was with Lindholm. See, the Bruins talked to both players. They knew Hampus Lindholm wanted to be on the East Coast, and he wanted to sign an extension with whoever traded uh, for him. Hence, they pulled the, the Bruins pulled the trigger on the deal. There was no such reciprocation from Ricard Raquel. He, he was not interested in, in signing an, an extension. So... Which and sense. I and for for anybody who's questioning that, I broke the trade um, along with Kevin on a on another show um, before long before I I can't recall maybe Kevin can how long it was before the trade uh, actually came to fruition, but. Uh, They were after Raquel. They just, and we all know that Sweeney wants guys that he can try and sign. Absolutely. Dylan with a great point. I miss hockey already. That's part of why we're doing this live, Dylan, because there's there's not enough going on right now. So definitely want to get your thoughts as, as much as everyone else's. Kevin's got a good question. Dylan has an answer. He says, which ducks, which duck are the Bruins getting this year? Dylan says Frank Vertrano would look great in a Bruins jersey. Um, 
Frankie 2.0. Uh, to answer Kevin's question, uh, no names right now, buddy. I'm not even going to say it's a duck. Quack, quack. <laughs> hey, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, right? Exactly. Maybe it's a Bruin. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, let's sing the blues. One. So my thought is if Dom... Don Sweeney is going to make a move. I see him trying to pull off a hockey trade that fills both needs. That's how I see it. Because he's already going to give up more than he probably wants to if he's going to go through with a deal. So I think he's going to try to get a player that's under the radar as kind of the second piece, a la Curtis Lazar when they got Taylor Hall. Someone like that. Because, I mean, everybody, you know, everybody loves Curtis Lazar now. But no one paid attention to him when he was coming in with Taylor Hall, and he looked like a steal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's the type. And then they were able to extend him for a little bit as well. So that's the type that I like to have. Let's see. Uh, Dylan also says, great to hear. Dylan, it's great to hear from everybody on here. Um, let's see. I don't know which part. Oh, the all right. Uh, you had them getting Lindholm as the guy in the back pocket about a week before it went down. Yeah, I, I, I'd i say so. If I remember the timeline correctly from listening to what you guys were saying and stuff. So let's see. Dylan says they need to make a decision on whether or not this is going to actually be a transition year like it was supposed to be. I feel like with the fact that Patrick Brown is still in the NHL, they're not all in. We will come back to that. No. Brown is not in the NHL. He's back in Providence. Yeah, uh, I saw and him with Providence earlier today. The 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 Bruins absolutely. I can tell you, Dylan. The Bruins absolutely do believe this is still a transition year. They can go on and win the cup, uh, but it's still a transition year because the team you see on the ice today is nowhere near the team you're going to see on the ice next year. No this one says you is, can win the cup in the transition year. That's not against the rules. Yeah, yeah. It, it is It is definitely a transition year. Now, and, and that's where, like, like you were talking about, Don Sweeney likes to get guys he can extend, guys that have at least some control in them. Like we saw it in the Taylor Hall deal. He got two restricted free agent right shot defensemen. They needed right shot defensemen, so that made sense to target. And that, but he got ones that they were able to have some cost control to, and they're they're all still going to be under team control co- going into the offseason because all all three that they brought in, Mitchell, Regula, and Walsh are all going to be RFAs at the end of the year. Now I don't know if you're going to extend qualifying offers. That's a different conversation. But the point is, is you have that control. That makes it a little I'm bit. Ke- more- I'm I'm keeping Regula. I think so. I I really do believe that he has an ability to be a very good number six, uh, who is solid defensively, um, who uh, enjoys the physicality, whether he's dishing it out or getting it. uh, And believe it or not, he can make plays. He really can. He is. 
he is quickly becoming an excellent shutdown defender who can eat minutes, uh, kill penalties, and you'd be able to throw out in the last minute of a game to protect the lead. Yeah, and he's only 23. So like 22 or 23, I can't remember. Yeah, there's there's time for him. Um, let's yeah. see here. Kevin says Bruins should grab a winger. I'm very happy with Coyle, Marsh, and Pasternak. That's been a great line lately. Uh, if you can put, find a winger to put with Zaka, that's your best bet. All set with a center coming in during the season. Yeah, that, that I think Kevin, I think you, I, you had sent out a tweet when the Elias Lindholm deal went down. Like a lot of people, uh, you know, glad that we didn't overpay for that, and glad that it's something that they shied away from, given the price as well. So, let's see. And then Dylan says that makes sense. Do you see us maybe taking on a bad contract to lighten up the price on a different player, such as a top six forward with space that we will most likely have this off season? They don't have the room to take on a bad contract. Yeah, uh, Dylan, they got they have eight hundred thousand dollars in cash space. That's enough room to call somebody up in case of an injury. And Devin, might I add, go ahead. Um, uh, because I was asked this again about John Beecher and um, why he isn't with the team and why uh, Boquist is. It, it all comes down to money. The, the Bruins had um, enough money to call up Brown or anybody making under $800,000 a year. Okay. Uh, Beecher makes 925000 They did not have the cap space to call up John Beecher. So I, I just want, and I know the Bruins dreaded sending him down. They really didn't want to. They sat down with him, talked to him and said, look, it's not a you thing. It's not a, your ability or, or anything like that. We just don't have the money to, to keep you up at this point. Now, if something comes up at trade deadline and we can open up some cap space, uh, you'll probably be the first call up back up. But at this point, we just don't have the money to keep you. And he understood yeah. it. He's, he went to Providence and he's been playing great. So oh, yeah. um, he's scored not the, whining. Yeah, he scored the first, the only goal in regulation for the with his first game back. And you know who got the game winner? Mason Lorai. Mason Lorai. Uh, another guy they didn't have the money to keep up. So um, it's not because of... It, Unfortunately, there's a business side to the game, and uh, the the cap is what dictated who is on the big club and who's in Providence. And yes, uh, Regula is from Michigan. I saw him play with the London Knights for a couple of years. Here's the one thing about Regula in his draft year. Everybody thought, because he played a lot with Evan Bouchard with the London Knights, and and uh, everybody thought he was just riding Bouchard's coattails. Not true. Alec Regula was a very capable defenseman in the Ontario Hockey League. And I know I told this story on the last show, Chris. And, and if uh, you give me a minute to to say it again, go he right was ahead. Draft, he was drafted by the Detroit Red Wings in the third round. 
Uh, Jim McKellar, who is the Chicago Blackhawks um, head Canadian scout, uh, really wanted Regula badly. He was actually uh, Regula's general manager uh, with Knights in, in, in the OHL. Um, he, he told, I forget who the GM was, was Chicago, uh, to go get this guy in a trade. And they did. Uh, they, they got Regula from Detroit in a trade. And when the Bruins traded Taylor Hall to Chicago, Regula was the first name mentioned the Bruins by the Bruins and said, uh, if he's not coming, if he's not part of the trade, uh, trade is done. We're not, we're not making the trade. And Chicago reluctantly gave up on him. So I got to give Devin a shout out. He does work for the hockey writers. He's been on puck off a number of times. So that's why um, just got to give Devin a shout out for all the hard work they do over there as well. Um, Dylan did clarify. Um, he didn't realize that that was why they did the Beecher down to Providence over Boquist, which it's a pretty significant difference too. Boquist makes 775 and Beecher makes uh, 925, I think. So yeah. it doesn't sound like much, but when you're trying to accrue cap space and work your way out of LTIR, that's a big difference. And if the play doesn't drop off, then it's a business. You got to do what you got to do. Um, but he did clarify. He meant with the cap space that you have next season, is there someone that you could target this year and maybe sign to an extension? I think there's a lot of players out there that fit that bill. I'm looking at it in terms of who could you get in that regard, who you could get that depth defenseman with, or vice versa, get the defenseman and bring in a forward that is that under-the-radar Curtis Lazar type. Um, and before you get into that, Kevin does want to know how much have they banked towards deadline cap so far this year? Nothing. I think it's $68,000 if they ever get on a long-term injury reserve. It's it's less than 100K, I can tell you that much. Um, right now, they're in LTIR because of Milan Lucic, and they have $800,000. That number doesn't change because you're, you're not accruing it. It's the same today as it is uh, on trade deadline or the end of the season. Right. So it, it point being is, is it's got to be money in, money out for Don Sweeney. Whatever he brings in, he has to send almost dollar for dollar out the door. Or he has to make two trades. One or to relieve caps. Um, but you he know, would have the cap space I, move first. Right. Because that one has to go through and process. So you have the room to make the second one. Or it's got to be a three-team deal. Right. I know, obviously, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> I, I hate throwing names out there. I really do. Uh, it's not fair to the player. Uh, but everybody, the, you, the majority of Bruins fans think that Matt Grizzlick is the one that has to go. Okay, so... Let me throw this out at you. 
who, let's say it, as an example, they, they trade Matt Grizzlick and pick up Radko Gudis. Just an example. Okay. Who now plays with Charlie McAvoy? Yeah, that's, I, I'm not sure I'm putting, isn't Gudis on the right side? I actually have the ducks right here. Uh, yeah, Gudis is the right defenseman. Yeah, okay, oh, let's say the other Bruce, name we keep. We have to keep oh. in mind that you have to oh. go for a left shot D. It can't just right. be anybody. So let's, D. No, let's, the other name everybody wants is Jacob Middleton. Let me pull up the. Uh, okay. So. The watch there. He's left shot. I'm almost positive. No, I know. I just want to see what he costs, what his cap hit is, and two, stuff like that. Two point something. I two believe. Point four five. But at 28 years old, I mean, he's going to cost you a good amount because you have that extra right. year. But you know, hold on. Let, let me finish yeah. making my point, Chris. So if Middleton is there for a replacement for Forbert when Forbert's not able to go. And you've moved, you've moved Matt Grizzlick. Who plays with Charlie McAvoy? Lindholm. Okay. So who plays with Carlo? (laughs) Wouldn't that be said person that you bring in Middleton? I mean, I I think a lot of people are looking at it. Who, Who's playing with Shattenkirk? The point I'm making is if you eliminate Grizzlick, you've now changed all three pairings because we know uh, it it hasn't been so great this year, but we know what Matt Grizzlick and and Charlie McAvoy are capable of doing. Is there any chance Grizzlick is battling injury as much as Forboard has been? It's always a possibility with the Bruins because they don't say anything. But uh, how much time has Matt Glick, uh missed? Not a, not nearly as much. Um, I don't have his game. Not even play. close. No, he's 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 been a workhorse this season. So yeah, you know, is, is some of that he doesn't want to come out of the lineup because he doesn't feel like he can because it's a contract year for him, maybe. But like it, like I said before, Forbort. Grizzlick, Watherspoon, whatever order you want, they are your current depth. If you deal right. any one of those guys, you throw off everything in your defensive lineup. And I and I think where most people are coming at it with is, well, if you deal off Grizzlick, you insert Lorite in his place. Now we just went on. We just went over that. He's gonna cost you games. If it's a transition year, and you're not worried about winning the cup. I mean, I, I guess you could see, I could see that happening, but if you're going to make a deal to bring in another defenseman, you're not going to put Mason Lorai in over that player because you're trying to get him time in NHL playoffs. You, you spend assets to get a uh, Middleton. So why would you put Lorai in over him? Um, let's see real quick. Just a couple of comments. We will pick this right up in a minute. D- Dylan just wants to know 
any shot you think that Lucic ever plays in Boston, or is he completely done? I'm he's going done. with I think he's done. I he's, think done. he's done. The Bruins don't want him back. Uh, let's see. Kevin says LMAO, and people still be expecting Donnie to grab two top six forwards and a Hannafin. Kevin says they should stay put. If you can grab a depth piece, do it. Save your assets and wait. You have a good core to build from starting next offseason. Dylan agrees with Kevin. No need to go all in yet. Not with the price that Lindholm just went for. I think Kevin is saying Watherspoon is the guy who goes in for Grizzlick. Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, But he's saying put him in over Forbort because he'll drive him to his new home. I want to what touch on Hannafin for a, for a second because <clears throat> I had a, an hour and a half discussion yesterday with someone who's very, very knowledgeable about the game. I might even add in the game about Hannafin. And, and here's my belief. If Noah Hannafin has made it known and again, like Lindholm, the teams aren't going to pay a huge package for him unless they can talk to him and find out how, if he's willing to re-sign. If Hannafin has made it known that Boston is the only place he'll sign an extension with, I'm not trading for him. Okay, buddy, we'll call you July 1st. We'll call your agent. And right. we'll, 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 we'll get a deal done then. <clears throat> Because I tell you what, and this is what I said to him. If you acquire Noah Hannafin, you've got Lindholm locked up for what? The next six years? Yes. After this yeah. one? McAvoy as you're, well. You're, no, I'm just talking left side. You've, okay. got, you've, you've got Lindholm locked up for, for the next six seasons. You'll have Hannafin for eight. And you just made Mason Lori expendable. And I said to him, and the reason why I don't want to do it is because in three years, I think Mason Lori will be a better all-around defenseman than Noah Hannafin. He's got that kind of... I don't care. I don't care where they were picked in the draft um, and where they are now. In three years... I think Mason Lowry will provide more offense. His defensive game will come along a long way that it will be on par with Hannafin's. And I think that Lowry will end up being more physical. So, real quick, Kevin is saying that he'd rather Lowry with Carlo at the moment. He wants someone with who will be better and more solid with McAvoy. So I think he's thinking a... Uh, Lindholm, McAvoy, Carlo, Lori kind of top four. Um, and then he's saying you could push Wa- Wa- Watherspoon with Shattenkirk and then your top four and whoever you pick up in place of Grizz. Okay. Um, let's let me just go back to uh, I'm, I'm guessing this is Mike because I know I, he was mentioning some stuff on Twitter earlier. Uh, but to your point, don't move all these assets for someone you know you can basically sign for free agency and just spend cash on. Um, he, I'm not even going to count how many zeros that is. A trillion percent agrees with you, we'll, we'll say. Um, 
didn't bring any mock trades with him. Mike, I'm disappointed. But I, I think most of the general consensus among reasonable people is they want the Bruins to stand pat. And, and I think that's where, you know, like you, like you said, maybe add a little depth, no need to go crazy. Um, and, and I think that's where we're all at. Yeah, it's Sully. Okay. Um, Kevin says, Lori reminds me of a Carlson. What do you think? Whoop. Did we lose your oh. audio? There we go. Whoop. Carlson or Hannafin? Uh, he said, Lori reminds me of Carlson. So I'm thinking, um, which Carlson would, um, Washington. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Try to keep up with all the comments and everything. Shut my brain down for a minute. And he says it's a trillion and one percent that he agrees with you. So what do you think of Lori and that Carlson comparison? Well, again, I hate player comps because, um, but I could see why, why Kevin would say that. And, you know, for that reason, I'll, I'll tend to agree with them. Uh, you know, it's it, what makes Lori so good offensively is because most of the li- his life that he's been playing hockey, most of his hockey life, he was a forward. Right. And Usually, defensemen can transition to forward a lot easier than forwards can transition to defense. But the Bruins will continue to work with him defensively and get him to where he needs to be. And um, I think, in the long run, he ends up being a better player than Noah Hannafin. The the infatuation with Noah Hannafin is because he's a local boy. That's why Boston fans are so have if i can say this on air have such a hard on for him yeah no it's true if he was if he was from vancouver they wouldn't give two shits about him probably not probably not but we know sweeney likes his his mask guys so you know it's a trend so i i do think that's part of it sweeney has kind of brought that part upon himself so you know Good, the the both sides of the coin there. Um, okay, but uh, you know, and you've heard me say this many a times before, Chris. In 2015, when it was rumored that the Bruins were trying to move up to grab Hannafin, it wasn't Noah Hannafin they were after. It was Warinsky, wasn't it? Right. So, what's being a UMass guy got to do with it for Don Sweeney? I, I don't buy into that as much as other people do i i do you know i do think it helps having a guy you know like if it comes down between two players that you feel very evenly about and you know like growing up in mass you are more of a bruins fan typically uh especially if you're a hockey player in the area so like having that desire to play for the boston bruins wear the original six sweater like if, if you feel exactly the same way about two players and one of them is from Canada and one of them is from somewhere in mass, 
I can understand that being a piece that you look at and go, okay, how badly do you want to be a Bruin? How badly do you want to be a Bruin? Who's going to answer more with more conviction? It's going to be the guy from Mass. Does that mean it's the right move every time? No, but I can understand why that trend does occur. People want to be here. It's a destination. Yeah, but players world. that aren't from players that aren't from Massachusetts want to be in Boston now. I mean, right? And that's why I don't. The way, I don't right? Buy so that's the deciding factor. I'm just saying I think it helps some of those players with do they want to be here or not. I don't know. I'm not buying it. To me, it comes off as a, se- a sense of entitlement on the player. Um, now, I mean, that's a different way of looking at it for sure. So I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I, I see both sides of it. It, it. It's an interesting dilemma as far as what you believe. But, I mean, if Don Sweeney's doing his job correctly, it's an irrelevant factor. I agree with you. Wow, good question. Yes, uh, Mike Mike brought this question up. He says, if Freddie has another strong season next year, say a 50 to 55-point season uh, in his contract year, what do you think his term in AAV could look like? He's looking at Jake DeBrusque money. Current Jake DeBrusque money or next year's Jake DeBrusque's money? Next year's Jake DeBrusque money. So don't ask me what that is, but that's what he's looking at. <laughs> I I agree. I mean, I, I think it's somewhere in that five and a half to seven range. I know it's a large range, but you got cap increases going up and, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, Jake, I know he's had a, an up and down season, but he's he's been a workhorse for you. He's done yeah, everything he right. He just has had some times where he couldn't find the back of the net. But you know what? You know, Metchkin. Exactly. I want to say this about Jake, and I have a story coming out tomorrow about it because I see too many people calling him a streaky player. And Unfortunately, just before I logged on to come on, Windows was doing an update on my computer and it's still updating so I can't open the file to get the exact numbers. Okay? Um, I think we can forgive you on so this I, one, Doc. I broke down Jake DeBrusque's career and just how streaky he actually isn't. Okay? Now... For a goal in the NHL, a few things have to happen. One, at the top of the list, is a mistake at some point in the play by the opposition. If they didn't make a mistake at some point, you're not scoring a goal. Hockey is a game of mistakes. Two, for the most part, you need an assist. Also true. Okay. So, unfortunately, there's no way of quantifying the first one. And there's no way of quantifying the next one, which is this. Oftentimes, a play is made somewhere on the ice that leads to a goal 
by one of your teammates that doesn't score or show up on the score sheet. Yeah. So one in three, you can't quantify. What we can quantify is goals and assists. Okay. And I broke this down for seven years at Jake DeBrusque. And one time in his career, he went 10 games with, without a point. I, I actually uh, found the you you actually sent out the graphic of that oh, chart. The tweet. Is you there any way you you can put it up? Uh yeah, you, give me one second. I found it on my phone. I'll pull it up on um on my computer here. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Right now, the Chiefs are coming in on plus 100 on the money line, so definitely take a look. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccp.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.com/football for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources last year he he went three games without a point was his longest streak. Apparently, um, apparently Kevin won't forgive you if the numbers wrong, but that's okay because we don't need Kevin to forgive you. I'm old, Kevin. I'm 62 years old. Now we're gonna pull up the make, numbers, Kevin. Just everybody's argument was that um, Jake DeBrusque was riding the coattails of Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. So, there we go. Last season, uh, he had one stretch of six games without a point and one stretch of four games without a point. Uh, Two stretches of three games without a point. I don't call those three points or three games in the NHL is not a big deal. Um, so everybody was telling me, well, he was riding the coattails of Patrice Bergeron and, uh, Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand had a streak of five games without a point. Patrice Bergeron had a streak of six games without a point. And guess when those two stretch, those two stretches happened between January 24th and February something, uh, Marchand's was two days later because he actually got a point in the first game. But guess who was missing at the time? Um, Jake DeBrusque was out with his injury. Now, I'm not suggesting Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand was was riding Jake DeBrusque's coattails. But I said it many times a year ago. There are times 
through the season when Jake DeBrusque drove that line. Right. There were times throughout the season when Jake DeBrusque drove that line. Let that sink in. I agree. I, it, it doesn't have to sink into me because I agree with you. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to. I think I showed that one already. Uh, Kevin says we have a better Hannafin. His name is Carlo. Welcome Karen back to the uh, to the show here. I know she's always been tuning into what's brewing. Um, yeah, long time no see for you as well. Mike Sully says Mel said on their last episode he thinks Freddie is more valuable to the team than Jake DeBrusque. What do you think? I see his argument. Freddie is more versatile and he's the perfect new age power forward. Based off of what we're going over right now, these numbers, the dissection, I, I can't say that he's more valuable than Jake DeBrusque. I think they are valuable in their own different ways. Right. They bring different elements. Because I certainly don't want Frederick on the power play, but maybe down the road I don't mind him on the penalty kill. If that means Jake DeBrusque can be on the power play instead of the penalty kill, then maybe you get a little less of this, I'm going to use the air quotes, streakiness from Jake DeBrusque because this right here, the chart that you have, how many times did he go without – uh, with a, with 10 games or more, it just doesn't happen that that much. It, it's happened once, eight games once. It like it's it's an anomaly for him more than anything. Two, three times, two, three games, like you said, it's not that much in the National Hockey League. People over worry right. about it. They're so used to the the hundred point scores getting all the clout that you got to get over a point per game. I mean. 0.75 points per game is still really fucking good. Yeah. Now, I will admit, when it comes to goal scoring, he's streaky. But when it comes to production, he is not. Right. He is and, not. And I, I, I totally agree with you that between Frederick and, and JD, they bring different elements to the game. And, and I, I, I would just say, Pally. I don't know if Frederick has any PK experience, but that doesn't mean he won't. And it doesn't mean he's not someone you could put on the PK as his defensive game gets better year in and year out going forward. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. So uh, my argument would be is the Bruins need both of them. I would agree with that. I, I don't mind that statement at all. I like the fact that Frederick, you can put on the left, on the right or down the middle. Jake DeBrusque, you can put on the left or the right. I don't like the idea of constantly bouncing him back and forth because, you know, he's proved in the past that that's not what makes his game excel. But you can do it if you needed to because of an injury and you say, hey, we're going to move you back over to the left because that's where we need you right now. He can do it because someone is hurt and they're out for two months. Right. Now, I, again, I'm I'm with the whole don't spend assets on a bunch of stuff because trade deadline wise, money in money out. I look at it and I go, I don't want to send the the money out part is the part that I have a problem with. There are too many guys on this team that I look at and I go, I don't want to part with them because even at that money, 
they're not that bad. And and we also have to look at it and go, Pasternak, Marshan, Coyle, Zaka, those are the guys with trade protection. You weren't going to ship them anywhere anyway. I, I, I don't. I, there's even no the prospects. There. Even the prospects, Chris, uh, the value that they hold. Like, I think Beckett Hendrickson's going to be a hockey player, but he holds no value. And why does doesn't he have any value? Is because he could legitim, legitimately be four years away from the NHL if he sticks through college, uh, the full four years, plus a year in the American Hockey League. So right. he's potentially five years away. So zero value. Uh, Chris Pelosi, same thing. Uh, potentially four years in college and a year in the American Hockey League. Uh, <laughs> you move up, you got Oscar Yelvik, who's in his second season in the NCAA. He could do two more. I doubt that he does. Plus a year in, in the American Hockey League holds a little bit more value. Uh, Don's Lachmelis, he's got three years ahead of him in college. Uh, a year possibly in the American Hockey League is four years away. That doesn't carry value to other no. teams. No value. No. Um, and so the guys that, that you're looking at now are the guys that are down in Providence. In Pro- right. And I look at a lot of them. <laughs> I don't want to move on from them. Like, okay, could I be talked into a deal where Johnny Beecher is a part of the deal? I could be talked into it, but I got to know what's coming back. And John right. Beecher is not enough to get you a Noah Hannafin. He's right. not going to be enough to get you like the, there are a couple guys that I look at on other teams. Like I've heard Thomas Novak from Nashville has been someone that they've looked into. I don't know how far, I mean, Don, what Don Sweeney should be doing is he should be calling and asking what the prices are. That's his fucking job. And then yep. once you have a general idea of what the prices are for certain people, then like, then you can start wondering, okay, how do I compare? Oh, you know, they want a B, you know, this prospect, you know, that trade co- or the, the initial call, we're interested in Novak. What's it going to cost you? Well, we really like him. We would want a, a young prospect defenseman on an entry level contract with a couple years worth of control. Okay. So now you're talking Frederick Brunet, just to throw a name out there. Do you want to do a one for one for that? Probably not, because defensemen are also a lot harder to find. Mm-hmm. And you're giving up Frederick Brunet, who's got three years worth of an ELC, for Thomas Novak, who's on the last year of his. So you're also trading away two years of player control. So now you've got to try and balance that out a little bit. And, and that's where the guys that we have, I mean... Curtis Hall doesn't really do much to excite me to keep him or anything, but he's not going to bring you a big return. No, I exactly. And, and I'd be surprised if the Bruins even offered him a contract at right. the end of the year. I got a player for you. I so, mean, so those guys are not bringing you in uh, anything. They're, they're zero value. The guys that have value in the American Hockey League are your Merkulovs, your Farinacci's, your Lysels, your Lorais. Those are the guys. 
your 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 best that I look at and I go, okay, I'm okay with shopping the deal around them. And I'm I'm sure I, I'm I'm wondering if you can guess who those two guys are. Uh Lysel and Lori. Not Lori. Lysel and Bussy. And Bussy. Well, you've heard me say a uh, hundred times is the Bruins trade a goaltender. It's not Swayman. It's not Allmark this season. It's Brandon Bussey. Apparently, David Posternock got picked for Team Connor McDavid. Thoughts? And then he goes, never mind. I could care less. <laughs> yeah, I saw that earlier. I, I like it. it it's going to be fun. What, fun what is Dry Seidel said to him, he says, he said, hey, Pasternak, you've got to try. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't mean to sidetrack us with the uh, with the all star stuff, but that's where I look at it and I go, okay, so let's let's say you're looking at moving Fabian Lysel. You're trying to get the maximum that you can for him now that things are starting to turn around. Well, first of all, if he's finally quote unquote getting it, do you really want to move him? Like I don't. Right? I is don't. that good? do you really really want to move him? I don't, but let's just say in a hypothetical, you're trying to build a trade package around him. Well, again, you have to send money with him. Some contract money has to go with him. Eh, I don't know who, because I don't want to move this money, but like, you know, people want to cast Jake DeBrus to the moon. People want to cast Forbort or Grizzly. Let's pick one of the defensemen just because. So now you're looking at a Grizzly Lysel pair, which is only going to free up $3.6 million because that's the only money coming off your NHL books. So you need to look at a, a essentially a forward and a depth defenseman for Matt Grizzly and Fabian Lysel for under $3.5 million. No, you're, you're only clearing $1.8 million. Oh, I'm sorry, $1.8 because of the proration. Yeah. He's already spent half the season in Boston. Right. So 1.8 in AAV. Um, so now that gives you a million, that gives you a million bucks now. Cause you've just got under long-term injury reserve. So got your calculator handy, Chris. I, I actually, I do have one available to me. I do. Okay. 1 million. Yep. Divided by 192 yep. times 40. $208,000. No, that can't be right. 1 million divided by 192. 1 million over 192. Sorry. Sorry. 1 million divided by 40 times uh -huh. 192. Got it backwards. 4.8. So you can add an AAV of 4.8 million bucks. Well, here's the thing. We already talked about it. He's going to want to add two players. One for defensive depth because you just – and you got to replace Grizzly up top. And right. you, you recognize that you have an issue with physicality on the front end. So you're basically mm -hmm. trying to bring in two players that average out to 2.4 AAV 
collectively. And oh, by the way, with Don Sweeney's record, he either has to be able to re-sign them or one of them has to have at least another year of team control. Right. So, first of all, that's not Jacob Silva. Uh, it's not Adam Henrique, who everybody you know has talked about. I get it. Frank Vetrano is very enticing at 3.65. You got a little bit of room to bring in a defender as well, but I mean, not one. I mean, Gustav Lindstrom, he's at 950K, is, and he was on waivers. So, yeah. Is, is that the depth kind of guy that you're confident in to replace Matt Grizzlick? Not me. And, and Labushkin would cost you too much. He's 2.75. You're over what you're able to bring in. Like, it, it just, to me, I look at that and I go, well, rules out the Ducks. You know, um, you know, are you going to go for Jake Middleton? Well, Jake Middleton's 28 years old and has an extra year of contract. Maybe the two players together get you Middleton. Is Middleton that much of an upgrade over Grizzly, though? No. He What Middleton will give you over Grizzly is that physicality in the playoffs. And uh, we'll, we'll give the opposition... Uh, somebody to beat on, right? When it comes when it comes to the four check, he'll clear the front of the net. Um, but but I I don't I, I guess for the playoffs I would have to say yeah he's an improvement. Okay, um, because the game the game changes right. What are you gonna do about the forward position? in that as well because you've just given up your two assets that you're actually fully willing to part with hypothetically um and what are you going to ask them for pat maroon as part of the deal i mean the money works but is pat maroon really what he used to be with the lightning he looks cooked to me he looks cooked to me too but you 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 would acquire Maroon not to be an everyday player, but based on who your opponent is. Fair. Fair. Is that the deal? Like, is that Lysel and Bussy, which obviously Minnesota doesn't even need a goaltender. So right. now you're looking at bringing in a third team, which might work to your advantage because they need the goalie and they might have a different pick or prospect or something. But this is the kind of trade gymnastics that Don Sweeney has to work through. And we're still looking at barely squeaking in guy like Pat Maroon, not an everyday player. I don't, I mean, do I want him? Not enough to give up those assets. No. That's my point. No. And, and I don't know. I, I, I keep going back to get the depth figure out how to how to work it in and hold on to your assets as simple as that that's what i keep going back to um i'm not last season's bruins where i go out and grab um orlov hathaway and bertuzzi and expect to make a run i mean they should have we all know they should have but it didn't happen I'm not doing that this year. And I don't think the Bruins are either. Right. 
I don't think so either. Now, there's a couple guys that, you know, and, and I know we can sit here and play the what-if games all, all night, but, like, Ty Anderson keeps throwing out a name from Arizona in Liam O'Brien. A couple other guys in, in the Bruins Twitter sphere have, have kind of thrown that name out there. Um, he's 775 against the cap, AAV. He's on the last year of his deal, fourth line, mix it up kind of guy. He seems like the kind of guy that you'd want to go after, but we've seen what it takes for Bill Armstrong to make a move down in Arizona. You know, with the Lindholm deal that just went out, I, I, prices just went up. Yeah. What are you I'm telling you, for, for O'Brien, you know, I'd call him up and say, you know, we'll give you Oscar Steen for him. Right. That's, now, that's my extent. I, I also <laughs> when I go, they do have some defensemen over there that are of interest as well. Like Sean Dursey would be fantastic to target, but I think they went out and traded for him because they want to sign him long term when this contract is over. They're trying to actually build something now. At least it looks like it. If you can mm-hmm. get Sean Jersey, fucking do it. But yeah, that's beside the point. Uh, you know, um, same thing with guy like Villamaki. He looks pretty good too. You know, and you got Kesselring and Moser on ELCs. I don't see them going anywhere. Travis Dermott, it doesn't excite me. But if you could get Jersey or Villamaki, even if you have to pay a little bit more. I, I agree. I like the Oscar Steen for Liam O'Brien. If they're willing to do it, I would do it in a heartbeat. God, I think I'm not offering any more than that. Not not for anything more. Oh, I guess you could say maybe a conditional pick. Uh, you know, if you get to the Eastern Conference Finals or something, then, you know, you have a, a seventh round pick that becomes a, a fifth rounder or something like that, just to sweeten the pot. But I, I don't, I'm surprised we don't see conditional picks more frequently but at the same time they can overlap and get kind of dirty so you know it, it oh, no, there's lots of conditional picks we saw we saw one in the in the Lindholm trade a lot of trades have conditional picks You're starting now, but... yeah I I just think it's it's I think we're starting to see a lot more of them I like it because that makes the deals a lot more flexible. You know, I mean, if you can make a condition that it's a six round pick, you go out and win the cup, it's a first round pick because who cares at that point? But, you know, it, it's, it's all a matter of, you know, two people having to come together and make a deal. But with Arizona having so many draft picks, that is a team too, that you can look at and say, Hey, we'll deal you Brandon Bussey for some picks, recoup something for him. I know it doesn't help your NHL roster, but you need some of those picks, and they can't make all of them. Look, I, I've said it a million times. They need to do something with Bussy. They need to do something with Swayman, or they need to do something with Allmark in the offseason because Bussy will require waivers next year, and he's not clearing. No. He is not clearing waivers. No, I, I mean – do you see any scenario next year where they decide to carry three goaltenders? Any at yeah, all? I, yeah. So maybe there's, there's a push. 
there is a push among some NHL teams and general managers to go to a three goalie system. In what way? Um, so to have three goaltenders on the roster, the union's all for it because it creates NHL jobs. Sure. Okay. It eliminates, I know it doesn't come off often, but it has happened. And the, um, the e-bug situation. Yeah. So what would they do? Expand the roster size to 24? Yeah. They would go to 24, which would include, uh, would include, I guess, 21 skaters and three goaltenders. Okay. I'm not against that. But it doesn't increase the cap. That's the problem. Right? That's that, why some some GMs are against it. Some are pushing for it. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure that's something that'll come up in the winter meetings, the ownership meetings and all that good stuff that maybe what they can do is they can introduce a ramp to it where you're, you know, in two years you gain this roster spot. That way their teams have two years to prepare for it against the cap that's projected out. I don't know how fair no, that I, I, the the log, logistics behind it, you know, they'll figure it out, but, but you know, they have to get to an agreement on it first. I wouldn't be against doing that though. I mean, if, if you can have a, I mean, it's tough to do, but I feel like if any team can have the culture for three goalies, it would be this team with these two guys leading the way. Yeah. Uh, you're too young to remember that Don Cherry wrote a three goalie system for the Bruins. He had Jerry Cheevers, he had Jill Gilbert, and the third one, I believe, was Ross Brooks. And you know how we split up the time? What was his deciding so, factor? Game one. Gilles Gilbert would play the first two periods. Game two, or then Jerry Cheevers, who was backing him up, will come in and finish period three. Then the next game, uh, Cheevers would play period one and two. Brooks would be backing him up and come in for period three. And then the third game, Brooks would play one and two. And... Gilbert would be backing them up and come in for period three, and then they'd start all over again. So they got their three periods in. It was just split up over two games. Makes sense. That makes sense. It's not a a, a bad way of doing it. I, I'm not sure that – I can't say how successful that would be right now, but again they, – they were, they were successful at it, but it, – It's all in the culture of the room, too. Can you get yeah. three goalies to buy in on it? Because I, I can almost guarantee you, as, as much as I watch them from afar, Patrick Waugh didn't want to share his crease with anybody. No. Martin Berdier didn't want to share his crease with anybody. They were no. probably pissed on those days that they were sitting, but knew they had to do it. I guarantee you, Jeremy Swayman wants more than 40 games. Absolutely. And that's the mindset that you want to have. However, Jeremy Swayman, for as much as he wants to have the net for all 82, recognizes that his job is a lot easier if Omar goes in and plays 35 to 40. Yeah. Now, as much as he wants those extra 35 to 40 games, 
if Omar can go in and be just as good as he can, he's going to push him to be better. Yeah. And that's the relationship they have. They want to be better. And right now, I'm, I know people are complaining about it, but your goaltending tandem is costing you less than eight and a half million. Not by much, but enough. Yeah. It's so much better than so many other ones out there. Definitely. There are what there's teams that have one goaltender making more than that. Florida. I granted Bobrovsky's coming back. I don't know what's gotten into him as of late, but he's he's making the turn after, especially after the playoffs last year. I mean, Carey Price is still making more than that. You got Andre Vasilevsky making more than that. I know, like, a lot's going to be made of Swayman's next contract, but he does have RFA status again, so he doesn't have as much leverage. Arbitration again. He can go to arbitration. I do think that if he goes to arbitration, he'll probably get something closer, or he'll, he'll put in for, like, eight in arbitration, and the team will come back with five. I think those are the figures that if they were to go to arbitration again, to have to submit it tomorrow, you're probably looking at the team coming in at four. He comes in at eight. And, and they settle on six. Yeah, they settle on six. And just looking at it, you know, 6.25 and, and do a three-year deal or something. Like, the yeah, biggest thing. Though. The, the most he's eligible oh, yeah. for on his next one is one year. Well. Because, because then he becomes UFA. Now, before the before they file, though, they could work that out because they could right. easily look. Well, listen, if we go to RFA, if we go to arbitration, we're guessing you'll come in around here. We'll come in around here, and we're going to meet somewhere in the middle. Let's skip that step and do a multi-year deal somewhere in the middle. I guarantee you, Jeremy Swayman will not be taking the Bruins to arbitration. I don't think he wants to. No, and I don't think the Bruins can take him to arbitration. Really? Um, Do you think he would take a little bit? And when I say a little bit, I mean that $25,000, $50,000, $100,000 difference just to avoid arbitration. No. I think Jeremy Swayman is going for every penny he can earn because of arbitration last season. He's not given an inch. I don't disagree. But it, what determines who can file for arbitration? Do you, I don't remember offhand. Well, both can file, but I think I'm pretty sure a team cannot take the player a player to arbitration who's already been to arbitration once in his career. So I don't think the Bruins have a team elected arbitration next year. So assuming that's true, and Swayman would be the one to have to file. Right. right. If he says, I'm not filing for it, and they can't file for it, then what happens to his RFA status at that point? Nothing. That, does, that doesn't change. It, it's only it just, the arbit- There's no so, help. There's no arbitration. It just means they have to figure it out when someone's ready to sit down at the table. Yeah, I'm just not 100% on the rule. I'm I'm pretty sure, but I could be wrong. <laughs> well, that would certainly make next season that much more interesting. Well, either way, 
whatever happens, um, the Bruins are going to have a, a very active and very interesting offseason. Forget what happens this year. It's going to be an active and interesting offseason. I was debating all day today whether to take March the 8th off. For those that don't know, March the 8th is trade deadline day. I decided to go to work. Oh, okay. I'm not. I'm I'm not. If the Bruins do something, they'll do something early. Uh, But. I figure I might as well go go to work and earn a couple of hundred bucks instead of sitting in the computer screen waiting for the Bruins to do something that probably isn't coming. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a slow, uh, kind of a slow deadline day. I think some of the stuff, you know, we'll probably have some fireworks leading up to it across the league. Um, I have a feeling we're in for one, somewhere between one to three, like, mega three team bomb deals where teams just come together and, and make hockey trades that work for all three teams. But that but, won't be done on trade de- deadline day. They'll be, say, they'll be done before. Happen beforehand. Yeah. I think we're due for a couple of those in the next, what are we at? Five weeks away. So yeah. in the next five weeks, we probably get, let's say two of them. And we're probably two weeks away from the first one. And then the next one comes a week later that type of trade deadline and then trade deadline day. You're looking at, you know, Pat Maroon gets sent back to Tampa Bay for a pick that I can't even think of. Cause I can't remember which one pick to Tampa Bay still has, you know, like yeah. those, those are the kind, you know, the, the, one of the, Na- no, no, they didn't get picks from Nashville. They sent them all to Nashville. So Maroon goes to Nashville because they have all those picks, but uh, you know what I mean? Nothing yeah. big will happen. Big names might move. But I don't think so. All right, it's 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 not uh, it's not a very good um, class uh, a trade group this year. Um, unlike last year, um, if Lindholm is the biggest name that that's that was on trade boards, um, then it's not very good. I think the team to watch is going to be the Ottawa Senators because I think over the next couple of weeks, they're going to try to figure out what the hell they want to do going forward. And, you know, these, a lot of these guys aren't Steve Steos's selections. So I do think it makes it easier for them to move, but like, I can Terrace tell you this about league. Steve Steos, brilliant hockey yeah. mind. I watched him be, build powerhouses in the Ontario Hockey League in short order um, through drafting and trading. Uh, he won a championship, lost out in the Memorial Cup. But this guy, I, I wish somehow the Bruins could have got him into the fold in some capacity with the team because I think he's just a brilliant, brilliant hockey mind. Yeah, and I think one of the things he's going to do is he's going to look at the roster and try to figure out which guys he wants to keep and which yeah. ones he's okay with parting with. And I wouldn't be surprised if he were to make a big-name move like a Joshua Norris or a Tim Stutzla. Stutzla is the one that kind of stands out to me because we started, we've started to see some 
Uh, did you see his dive the other day? Yeah. Against Detroit. Those, those little things like that to me add up and make me wonder when a hockey mind like Steos looks at him and goes, this isn't the guy that I want to have. No, he's not a Steve Steos. I like remember how Steos played the game. That's that's not what he wants to see. Right. And and that's where I sit there and I go, okay, he's got a big contract, but he's got no trade protection. So who... well, he's not allowed trade protection. We got to be clear about that. You you don't get trade protection in the NHL until you're 27 years of age. That's right. He's not allowed it and he's signed past it. He's got eight years on his deal. But either way, he can get traded anywhere. So I yeah. wonder if there's a team that looks at their young group and wants to add another young center to it. I'm there's I mean, who wouldn't want that? But yeah, for, but that, Chris, those those like, deals don't happen on trade deadline. No, I don't see it happening on the deadline unless a team really comes to him and says, We want him. But that's why I no, sit there. Ottawa Senators could be interesting because they have guys like Tarasenko. How much does Stutzla make? Stutzla's on an 8.35 contract. Yeah, it's not getting moved on trade deadline. No. It's not. No, but Kubalik for 2.5 could. If he wants them, if if he's determined as someone that they want to move on from. Um, I don't think Chikrin gets moved. I think he wants to stay there. I think he chose to want to go to Ottawa for a reason. Um, Isn't he from Florida? No. No, he's got family in Ottawa. I think his grandfather's Yeah. yeah. Uh, who am I thinking? Oh, never mind. Yeah, Chikrin is. Oh, no, he is. He is from. Um, he's yeah. He, and, U, and U.S. He's got dual uh, citizenship, but I think he was born in Florida. His mom is Canadian. That's why he has dual dual Boca citizenship. Raton, Florida. Yep, that's where he was born, Boca Raton. Good, good, uh, good memory on that one. But I just I don't see him going anywhere. It just doesn't really seem to make that much sense because he's not he's not the problem. He's a piece they can build around. No. <laughs> um, I think if they they were to move one of Shabbat or Chikrin, it would probably be Shabbat. I, that's a deal that I think would also like. I look at it and go, anything that's north of seven million right now is an offseason move. Six oh, and right a half now is really the cutoff in my mind. Six to six and a half is really the cutoff because if you have someone as an example, um, there's his number, Vlad Tarasenko. He's got a no trade clause and he's at five million dollars AAV, but he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. If I'm Ottawa and a team comes to me and says we want Tarasenko, he's willing to waive that no that no trade clause, and part of the deal is you have to retain salary. Like, it's not as big of a deal if I can increase my return on it because I'm not retaining salary for multiple seasons. Right. No, no team wants to, but sometimes so, you don't have a choice. But I will say. <laughs> We can do this all night, and we've already been doing it for about an hour and a half. I'll have to find somewhere where I can insert on the pod side the uh, the read for DraftKings. Shout out to DraftKings for, for helping bring this to us. 
Um, we go DraftKings. Oh yeah, draft draft. <laughs> um, Hampus Lindholm plus uh over half a point a game or whatever. If they have that bet, I would I would look at it. Chucky back too. Like those are some bets that more often than not you're gonna hit on because they've been a lot better than people are giving them credit for. Just saying. Do you do do you bet on them though, Chris? Yourself personally? Sometimes. Sometimes I can't get to the app in time before the game. Um I I'm not, you know, I'm not betting my, you know, a mortgage payment, a rent payment. You know what I mean? I'm I'm the the two dollar, you know, as as they say on the Steve Dangle show, I'm the two dollar Steve guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. A couple bucks here, a couple bucks there. I can honestly say that I've never placed a bet on any of those apps. And and I don't know why. It's it's like I, I'm not trying to toot my horn here, but like I could win a few of them. And I haven't placed a bet on hockey since in Canada we have or in Ontario we have pro line. So you can bet on uh, baseball, football, hockey, basketball, any of them, right? Yeah. So when the NHL went to the shootout in 2005, was it? That sounds about right. Yeah. I stopped betting because they no longer had ties. Anything that went into overtime was considered a tie. (laughs) So... You could place a $2 bet on a Saturday night when there was like 12 games. You could play find three games you think were going to end it in a tie and place a $2 bet and win two, three, four thousand bucks. Wow. And I would hit like at least three of them a season. And once they took ties away, I stopped betting. <laughs> Like uh, I honestly made ten grand a season on three two dollar bets. Yeah, every once in a while I'll throw down. Like a couple weeks ago, this this was actually I think last week I did a just a random four pick parlay. It was there were four games on, two of them were football games, so I looped them all in. Mm-hmm. I, I took the Rangers over the Capitals. I took the the Packers over the Cowboys, the Lions over the Rams, and the Red Wings over Toronto. And all of them hit up until the point where the Lions were giving the game away. I cashed out a little bit early, but I was still at plus 2147 odds. I wish I had let it play out because the Lions ended up winning. But, you know, I I knew it was a long shot. I bet less yeah. than luck. I won th- three times my money you know there just you go throw a little in the in the in the change you know what i mean yeah last me a couple days throw some bets down a couple days later but you know i i i took the over on jake debrusque two and a half shots on goal in the uh, vegas game that one paid out that was a plus 145 so you know there's some that depending on what they are, I'll throw a little bit of, I'd rather, I'd rather sprinkle my five bucks out on like 10 bets. Yeah. Then all of one. Right. Unless there's one I look at and I'm like, Oh no, that one's definitely hitting, you know, like if, you know, when Swayman's on a heater where he hasn't given up a goal in like four periods, 
that going into that second game, I'll look at it and I'll be like, okay, it's probably going to be under three, under two. You know what I mean? Like those, those are the type of trends that I try to look for where it's like, okay, is it, but then I'll try and take that and loop it into something else so I can try and get a parlay because that's where the money really is. Yeah, right. So, like I said, don't take betting advice from me other than just have fun with it. Don't bet more than you can lose. That's why it's a couple bucks. So, shout out to the guys up in the corner above you, DraftKings. DraftKings. And uh, I will be sending out a few graphics in a couple days. We actually have three new partnerships coming on board that I'm finalizing on. So we're going to have a few more, uh, a few more folks to, to say some words about. So awesome. That, that's coming our way. I, I want to thank everyone for, for jumping in Kevin and Allie and Dylan for the questions, the comments, the interaction. I can't wait till we're starting to do these live every time again, because nothing's better to me than a live show. So there's a lot of stuff in the works. And um, like I said, I know I'll be doing a puck off special for the trade deadline that's coming up. Do you have any final thoughts uh, before we sign off? Um, no, tomorrow's Friday. Uh, I'll have a busy weekend. Like I said, putting out, starting to pop up player profiles. I just hope everybody has a great weekend. Uh, if you're watching the All-Star festivities, enjoy it. I'll probably watch the skills competition, but that's about it. Um, and then can't... It's, <laughs> it's for families. Like, it's, it's yeah. meant for kids. It's meant to be fun. Don't take it too serious. I mean... No, but I, I enjoy the skills competition. I'll, I'll get to a couple of OHL games this weekend. I haven't decided which ones, but... Um, I'll be up bright and early Saturday morning at uh, five o'clock watching the boys in Sweden and Russia, uh, our Bruins prospects there. And that's about it. Yeah. And if you get some time, I would say watch some American hockey league games. It, you oh, know, I'd never miss them, but not, I have well, to watch in general. Yeah. Um, it, it's, we Parker Watherspoon is the example as to watch him because yeah. if you're watching Bridgeport the way that the, the scouts were, you see guys like that. And there's going to be plenty of guys that you can want to bring in next year and whatnot. So if if the NHL isn't on, get your hockey fix. Watch OHL, AHL, whomever you can get out to. Just enjoy it. Have fun. That's I, I, I have to say I, something else. You just reminded me of it where you said – just watch something else. So Reed Dick, as everybody knows, is a Bruins prospect, goaltender with the Swift Current Broncos in in the Western Hockey League. And at least once a game, um, he makes a highlight reel save. Like, I mean, you'll find him all over the highlight reels, uh, saves of the week, all that kind of stuff. So one fan came up with the hashtag Ridiculous. All one word, R-E-I-D-Y-C-K-iculous or Uless. And the WHL, the league, not the team, caught on to this. And if 
if you search uh, the WHL on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it yesterday, you'll see they used the hashtag uh, and then a highlight of his goal. And um, it, it's catching on like wildfire. I mean, That's I, awesome. I can't wait till Mike Dunham and Bob Asenza grab a hold of this kid and uh, start really working with him. I'm looking forward to that too. And I will say shout out to into the den, uh, PWHL as well. Don't want to forget yes. that that hockey has been fantastic. I haven't had a chance to watch as much as I would like, but I know some people probably are turned off a little bit by the fact that they don't have team names. Don't let that get to you. That's Enjoy. coming next year. It's coming next year. Like, um, I forget who it was. Uh, Paul Crotz, who who was the media director for the Ontario Hockey League, is is the media director for the PWHL. And uh, but I forget who it was with the league said, you know what? If women were treated like professional athletes, yep. the fans would turn out, and that is exactly what we're seeing in Montreal. Uh, earlier in the week, they set a, a record, a Canadian record. I don't know what the American record is for just shy of 9,000 fans at uh, the Montreal game. So good for you, them. You love to see it. I'm glad that this league is working. I know a lot of people were kind of hesitant going into it, but I am I think this is going to be a lot more sustainable and long term it will work out better. I do. And, you know, I'm disappointed because years ago, I would say six, seven years ago, I wrote an article about it. And I, I couldn't believe how much I got shit on by NHL fans that the NHL wasn't doing enough. And I was asking, should the NHL create a professional women's league or support a professional women's league? much like the NBA did at the yeah. time. And the overwhelming response was no. And and that really yeah. bugged me. Uh, I, I think it was six or seven, maybe eight years ago. I wish, I, like, I know they're doing a three-on-three -three tournament on, at the All-Star weekend, but I hope the NHL gets more involved going forward because that's what's going to, going to make the league even more successful it sounds like from what i've seen they are getting a lot of the locals now some teams were already doing it boston was already yeah. doing it with the pride and you know mm -hmm. a few of the other teams were doing it as well so i don't see those cities not doing it i will say i think some of what was attractive to these initial cities these original six for them if you will was the fact that they would have local community support, not just from people and hockey fans, but from the teams as well. Yeah. So I think that will help. And, you know, hey, you know what? Maybe since he wants expansion so bad, Batman should go be the commissioner of that league. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he gets his expansion no. wins and, you know, everybody else gets what they want and then the new commissioner. Yeah, I you know all the all the power to them like i i mean there's some fantastic players in that league 
some really, really good goalies. I hope that if they do a World Cup of Hockey, that somehow they do at the same time, the NHL that I'm talking about, that they do a Women's World Cup of Hockey and the NHL absorbs the full brunt of the cost to get it off the ground. Because we're talking we're talking billionaires here we're not talking millionaires it's it's uh almost a six billion dollar a year uh industry i i think they could help the women's game out and do something like that they may not get six countries to to take part but you know what do four right do something do something get get it off the ground yeah so I, I want to thank everybody again for jumping in. And um, Dom, thank you again. I know it's getting late over here. We will be doing uh, another episode of Puck Off on Sunday, Andrew and I. And um, like I said, soon, hopefully very soon, um, we'll be doing these shows, both What's Brewing and Puck Off live again. Um, there's There's some stuff that I'm trying to lay the groundwork for before we do that on a much more consistent basis. But it's it's coming and great to see some of the old faces in the in the chat here in the comments kevin dylan uh karen devin um you know i'm looking forward to uh to bringing these back as well so tom thank you so much for for taking the time to do this live and uh my pleasure buddy and thanks everybody for uh for hopping on kevin was nice to see you buddy uh We'll have to talk soon. We haven't talked in a while. So with that, all I've got is go bees. Go Bruins.